So penitent or penitentiary? What is penitent? Amen. Amen. What is penitent? It, what is impenitence? We'll start with impenitence. Impenitence is when someone is not sorry for their sin, plainly put. Not feeling regret about one's sin. Obdurate, which is stubbornly refusing to, to change one's opinion or course of action. This is a very hard-hearted person. A person who will not um, ask God their sins and they just continue to sin and sin and sin over and over. And one thing that God will not stand is a hard heart. One who thinks that the world revolves around them and there's nothing that they can do wrong. God plainly states, my ways are not your ways. And you will see as I read some of these scriptures that I have here in a little, uh, in the Bible he says that. But people continuously do their own thing, thinking that God is going to bless them in their stubbornness. The Bible tells us that God hates pride, and the prideful man is wise in his own eyes. God tells his people in Leviticus 26 the good things that will happen to them if they obey his commandments. And he also tells them the bad things that will happen to them as well. Amen. Now, let's take a look and turn your source to Leviticus 26, uh, verses 14 to 25. I'm going to be going through a few uh, texts here just to, just to show you uh, what God says about penitence. Amen. Leviticus 26, and I'll be reading 14 to 25, and this is just one. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgment, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, I will also do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning agu that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And ye shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. Okay, whatever you sow, your enemies are going to eat it if you turn your back against God. Verse 17, and I will set my face against you and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you and ye shall flee when none pursue you. Verse 18, and if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Okay, we don't need to be punished seven times more for our sins. So let's get right, church, and let's go home. Amen. 19, and I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heaven as iron, your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if you continue to be contrary unto me, and I will not hearken, and you will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues unto you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, 
Then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you seven times for your sin. God is saying, if he said, if you turn your back on me, I'm going to turn my back on you. So if you've ever heard that before, that's what he meant by that. Amen. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you're gathered together with your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. My God, my God, we do not want or need to be delivered into the hands of our enemy. Amen. So stay on. The, the song says, who's on the Lord's side? Stand up. <laughs> stay on the Lord's side. Amen. And then it continues further, uh, it, then it, further more uh, further than verse uh, 25, God was not going to bless a mess, folks. God is not going to bless a mess and walking around thinking that we're going to live this life our way without even trying to be holy. That's a mess. And no, there's, such thing, there's no such thing as a holy mess either. Actually, when you think about the two words holy mess, that's an oxymoron. Amen? Dark and light cannot occupy the same space. One thing that we don't want to do is disobey God and end up in not only in physical penitentiary, but in a spiritual penitentiary as well. Prison, well, it's for smaller times, smaller things. Penitentiaries are for longer terms for worse characters. Amen. Here is the description of penitentiary. Amen. Okay. The Romans were among the first to use prisons in the form of punishment besides other nations, rather than simply for detention. A variety of existing structures were used to house prisoners, such as metal cages, basements of public buildings, and quarries. Who wants to be in that? All right, live right, amen. One of the most notable uh, Roman prisons was the uh, Marmotine Prison, established around 640 B.C. by Ancus Marcus, and the Marmotine prison was located with listen to this, it was located within a sewer system beneath ancient Rome and contained a large network of dungeons where prisoners were held in squalid conditions contaminated with human waste. Forced labor on public works projects was also a common form of punishment. In many cases, citizens were sentenced to slavery often in Ergastula, which is a primitive form of prison, were unruly slaves. Notice the word unruly. Do you want to be unruly? Okay, rebellion against God is as witchcraft, the Bible says. Unruly slaves were chained to workbenches and performed hard labor. Now, if that doesn't sound like hell, I'd like to know what does. Sounds like hell to me. The Lord says his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. Hell is one place that you don't want to go. Hell, where there is worse than squalid conditions with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is no happy people in hell. Speaking of hell, I want to read this story to you from the Bible from Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. Listen to the story of the rich man who died and went to hell, and the poor man, Lazarus, who died and went to Abraham's bosom, which is described by scholars as a type of a heavenly place. All right? Luke 16, 19 to 31. 
And it says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And then verse 23 goes on to say, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. This is a rich man now. Being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out, Father Abraham. All of a sudden now, okay, Abraham's his father. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Listen what he said. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He had the gall. He had the nerve to ask Abraham to send Lazarus, the poor beggar who was begging from crumbs from his ta- for, for crumbs from his table. He had the nerve. He's still trying to use Lazarus. Even in this situation, he's in hell. Lazarus is in heaven. And he's telling Abraham, send him with a dip of water so I could cool my tongue. That's bold. He's being tormented in a flame. He wasn't thinking about Lazarus before. Amen. So this is letting us know that hell is a real place and it is not a happy place. Okay. But watch this. Verse 25. But Abraham said, son. Notice he called him son. Father of all, all beings. All, 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 father of the earth. Amen. Father, okay, he said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted and now you're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. See, there was something in between them where he couldn't reach him. So the day that would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from them. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them. Now he still wants to use Lazarus. This rich man has died and gone to hell and still trying to use Lazarus. Now he wants them to go to his brothers and tell them about hell, tell them what happened to him. Okay? He said, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham answered and said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him, hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham. He said, he's telling Abraham, no, but if one went unto them from the dead, they'll repent. In other words, he's saying, if you could send somebody from the dead to my brothers, they'll repent, and they won't end up where I'm at. But guess what his answer was? He said, and he said unto them, unto him, okay, Abraham said unto the, the rich man, burning in hell, okay, he said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Okay? He's telling him, that he's telling the rich man that if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, if they didn't listen to the word ahead of time, it's not going to help them now. And it doesn't that sound like repeat offenders to you? It sounds like repeat offenders to me. There are just people that will not listen to the word of God. They will not honor God. They will not honor God's word. Okay? They're impenitent. Now, let, let's, okay, here, here's some historical examples of impenitence from around the world, okay? 
One, he faced the future with a face flinty with pride and impenitence. That's from Eugenics and Other Evils by G.K. Chesterton. Number two, this grief of heart proves that thou hast not sealed me up in impenitence. That's from The Power of Faith, Isabella Graham. Three, other evils that shall fall upon the Jews for their impenitence. The words used again there, impenitence, they will not uh, feel sorry for their sin. That's from the Bible and Douay Reims version, various other versions as well. Okay, uh, here's another one. Who more sorry for the righteous and necessary doom which the impenitence of heartlessness drags down upon itself. Notice the word impenitence and heartless. These people are heartless. And that's from Heart by Martin Farquhar Tupper. And here's the last one. To be willing to... Now, watch. This This one is... It, it, when I read it, it just took me somewhere, okay? <laughs> and this is what these people do, impenitent people. To be willing to be damned. It implies a willingness to disobey God, refuse his grace, and continue in unbelief and impenitence. Isn't that something? Sermons on various important subjects by Andrew Lee. That tells a lot, doesn't it? To be willing to be, willing to be damned. And there's people like that nowadays. They don't care. You see these wild people jumping up and down and, and dancing with, you know, 666 written all over them and looking all wild and crazy. They don't care. You hear people saying, I'll see you in hell. We'll toast in hell. You know, <laughs> we'll have a drink on it in hell. Yeah, they think it's funny. They are willing to be damned. And a willingness to disobey God, too? And refuse his grace and continue. Did you know and continue? Not only refuse God's grace, it says and continue. That's literally, folks, being stupid. All right, pardon my language, but anyone who doesn't take God at his word and obey his commands, especially on purpose, is a complete fool, asinine, and one not to be taken seriously. All right, let's look at the biblical incidences of Impenitence. Isaiah 22, verse 9 to 14. It says, you have seen, now this is God speaking to impenitent people, okay? Um, you have seen also the breaches, which is an act of failing to observe the law or agreement, okay? Of the city of David, that they are many. There are many breaches, and ye gathered together the waters of the lower pool, and ye have numbered the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses have ye broken down to fortify your wall, okay? In other words, they took protection and used it for division, okay? Built a wall with the houses. Ye made also a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool, that ye have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. In other words, and they're still doing it today, changing the specs of old, God's specifications as to how to make it. They went from changing God's specifications to their own and using them for, for all wrong reasons. And in that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth and behold joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating flesh, drinking wine. And they say, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we shall die. In other words, taking advantage, well, 
Second, not redeeming the time, but taking advantage and living the way they want to live. Amen. And you know, people say live, laugh, love, or eat, drink, and be merry. Always, you know, just do it. Everybody's got a glitch. You ever hear that one? Everybody's got a glitch. You're going to die from something. <laughs> you know, yeah, how's about natural death instead? Amen. Amen. That's negativity in action when they say these things. When people say things like that, okay, and they're so busy laughing that they don't even recognize the stupidity of that statement. Everybody has to die for something. It's just stupid to talk that way. And then verse 14. And it was revealed in mine ears by the Lord of hosts, surely this iniquity shall not be purged from you till you die, said the Lord of hosts. And Ezekiel 18, let's read Ezekiel 18, 27 32. Here's another one. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness, that he is committed, that means he becomes penitent, okay? He's sorry for his, his, what he's done. And doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Notice what God is telling us, that when you turn away from your wickedness, you're saving your soul. Do what is lawful and right. This is the epitome of holiness, right living. The saved spirit drags the soul into salvation and right living. When you get saved, one-third of you, the spirit, is totally saved. It connects with the spirit of the Most High and communicates also that way. He who worships God must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. Amen. The soul and body should follow, sometimes immediately and sometimes surely but slowly. We should want to live holy because we love God. If people call themselves saved and they sin on purpose, the devil is their father and the truth ain't in them. You can't get naked drunk every day and call yourself saved, okay? And that goes for everything besides just drinking. Everybody makes mistakes, yes. Okay, hence the purpose of the sacrifice of ignorance in the Old Testament, which is, uh, if you want to look it up or write it down, Numbers 15, 25. But to do something that is against your creator's wishes on purpose is willful sin. Just like when Adam went against God over Eve eating and offering him the forbidden apple. Amen? All he had to do was refuse. Verse 28. Because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he has committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Now watch this in verse 29. He says, yet says the, uh, yet saith the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. We can't do it, God. You're too hard. It's too much for us. And then he says, Oh, house of Israel, are not my ways equal and your ways are unequal? All right. He says, therefore, I'll judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. Said the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so iniquity shall not be your room. He's telling you right there, don't end up dying in sin. There's a lot of people that died in sin and didn't have to. Verse 31, cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed and make transgressed, 
and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I don't have pleasure in death of him who died, he says. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. And live. Turn and live. God is telling us. Joel 2. There's another scripture. You want to write these scriptures down? I've got a few more here. About five more. Joel 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, also now says the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. When you repent, God will forget it. It's a simple, when you repent, God will forget it. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. God, when you repent, God forgives you. Amen. Only the devil brings it back up. What's the Bible calling him? What is it? Revelation 12, 10, I believe. The accuser of the brother. I think, I hope I have the right uh, scripture, but the devil's the accuser of the brother. God doesn't accuse folks. He'll let you know you did something that you need to check up on. <laughs> Amen. Matthew 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is, hand, is at hand. How many times have we heard that? Repent because the kingdom of heaven is soon coming. The kingdom of heaven is close. Heaven is right above your head right now. The Bible says Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. He's coming back. You could see. the Well, for all those who love signs, you see the signs of the times. Jesus is coming back. Luke 13. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, saying unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans uh, were sinners above all the Galileans because they had suffered such things. Okay, now, this is not calling his attention to them as martyrs, but as supposed victims of a leader's anger, all right? And then Jesus goes on and says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If you don't repent, the same thing, the same evil thing that happened to those certain Galileans having their blood spilled by evil rulers is going to, oh my God. And this is happening today. I don't know if you saw or not, but I believe there was, I want to say 200, it might even be higher, uh, Christian women and children in Nigeria that were slaughtered just for being Christian. And, you know, the e- evil is, is reigning, well, attempting to reign, has no power over God's children unless God's children allows it to, all right? We, we got to get right, folks. We got to get right. Or if people continue to live in sin and they don't repent of their ways, okay, they're going to die in their sin. God says right here, if, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Start, let's Acts 3. 19 to 21. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your why that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. What did I say earlier? When you repent, God forgets it. 
All right? So don't think that repentance is not needed or, oh, I don't want to, that's a mess. I don't want to do that stuff. I, I don't get into that. Okay. Okay. Verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Okay. In other words, just like the man in hell, you know, Abraham told him, he said, well, if your brothers didn't believe the preachers, he's not going to believe the person I sent back from the dead if I, if I could. All right. And he says that Jesus, somebody already preached to you about, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since when? Since the beginning of the world, since the world began. God did, God did not make this earth and not leave prophets to teach us the right way after the fall of Adam and Eve. After the sin, after the fall of man, God sent messengers, okay? And all of them aren't tall and gorgeous and beautiful, okay? Don't look on the outside of the messenger, okay? Listen to the message, amen? God did not leave us without a way out, without a door. Acts 8, 9 to 11 says, but there was a certain man, listen to this, Simon, the witch, I've had some witchcraft things happening to me lately as well. I've had some witches come on some pages that I uh, monitor on Facebook and, and post some crazy stuff, and I just clicked it off. You know, I, I don't play. I don't play with that. Okay, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria and bewitched the people. Did you notice that? He, he was using sorcery in the city and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself, that he was so great, himself was some great one. And then it says, verse 10, to whom they all, not some, gave heed from the least to the greatest. These people were following this witch hook, line, and sinker saying, this man is the great power of God. Wow. <laughs> wow. In verse 11, it says, And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And then Acts 8, 18-24 goes on to say, And when Simon saw, when this witch saw, that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given... He offered them money. Notice the laying on of hands is very important. We could pray for each other online, over the air, whatever we want to do, over the phone. But there is something about that touch. Even Jesus, when he healed the blind man, he gave him a second touch, not just the first. Amen? And Peter said unto him, no, verse 19, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Wow, dude thought he could really buy the Holy Ghost and use it for his sorcery. <laughs> you know, but Peter said unto him, thy, perish, that thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. And people are still trying to do that today. They're still trying to sell God. Hmm. Lord Jesus Thou hast neither part nor a lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. When a person practices any type of witchcraft, their heart is not right in the sight of God because they're looking for another power. They're telling God his power is not enough, and they want something greater. 
Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the, the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. Okay, he's telling him to repent. Peter's telling him, telling the witch to repent. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And then Simon answered and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Okay, so he, he, he knew. If he didn't believe what Peter was saying was right, he would ask him to pray for him. He said, pray for me that none of this stuff will come upon me. So see, this is a typical example of how people who think they're empowered with their little witchcraftiness and their Jezebel spirit, and that spirit of manipulation and intimidation, okay, they know they're doing wrong. They know they need prayer. And this is what I was talking about earlier about when people do something on purpose and they say, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. I, I don't want all that God stuff. Don't, don't come to me with that. I worked at a place one time, a taxi office, and I was a dispatcher. And um, they interviewed, I had been there for a few days, and, and this one woman and her husband came in. They were taxi drivers. And um, someone introduced me and said, this is Reverend Esty, Reverend Scott, you know. And I said, hey, how you doing? You know, we shook hands and everything. These people literally, this the wife looked at me. You know, the husband shook hands with me. And the wife looked at me. She goes, oh, she said, yeah, nice to meet you. She said, but don't, one thing. She said, you and I will get along very well if you just do one thing. And I said, what's that? And she said, don't try to preach to me. And I was like, okay, you don't have to say that twice. <laughs> you don't have to say that twice. You know, I'll respect your opinion. I'll be saying, look, you, you don't want, I had no intention. Okay, I'll speak the word of God, but I don't force it down people's throat because it's up to them. We can't be, you, can, you know, we can't be saved for somebody else. You know, the foot of the cross, Jesus' name. Jesus' blood and Jesus' power draws them to the cross. Not this, not this show, not this radio show, not me, you know? It has to be Jesus only. Amen. There's too many other people out there trying to do it by their own power. Amen. All right, and uh, let's go to another one, Acts 17. I have two more. Acts 17, 30 to 33. And it says, and the times of this ignorance God once winked at, okay? There was a time where God winked at this mess, okay? <laughs> but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. All, everywhere. All men everywhere to repent. Not just some, you know, not, not the, high, the, the high and mighty cliques and clubs. If you're in the high and mighty clique and club, guess what? you got to repent too. First of all, you have to repent of try, thinking that you're high and mighty in a click in a club. Amen? Okay? Hollis is not the body of Christ. You're in the wrong club, right? You, you know? Not 31. Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, okay, quote, unquote, get it? By that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. All men know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. All the other names of great leaders around the world died and never came back. And, and what gets me is people are so 
dim-witted that they don't even realize they don't even realize that their boss, their leader, never returned to them, died and left and didn't come back. Ours did. Ours did. And hallelujah, God is good. And verse 32, Acts 17, 32 says, And when they had heard, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some people mocked it, and they still do today. Do they not? It says, some mocked, and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. And they put it aside. They pushed it aside. They didn't look on it as being important. And then verse 33 simply says, Acts 17, 33 says, so Paul departed from among them. Just like I did the lady at the taxi office. I was like, oh, okay, hey, nice meeting you. <laughs> the Bible, you know, the Bible says that if you enter a city and they won't accept you, we're to do what? Somebody out there notice, right? Wipe the dust from your feet. Never try to make somebody accept something that they're not willing to accept. Because if you cause somebody um, to accept something that you're offering because you offered it and not because they wanted it, they're still non-believers. They still won't believe. Some people just do things because it's you. But deep inside, they could care less. So sometimes we have to wipe the dust from our feet. When you're talking to somebody, a loved one or whoever, and they don't want to repent, they don't want to change their ways, you do it as much as you can, but don't aggravate them worse. You don't want to make God look bad. Amen? The last thing we need to do is make God look bad by doing something that we thought was right, and it wasn't right trying to force something on somebody, wipe the dust from your feet. But when you wipe the dust from your feet, I say, go home and pray about them. Keep them in prayer. Keep them in prayer. And there's some people I heard that said there's a time where you can got to stop praying because you're praying for somebody who don't really want prayer. If somebody, if you're trying to hand somebody ice cream sandwich and they don't want an ice cream sandwich or they don't like ice cream, why are you trying to, what, you want, you could unwrap that thing all you want to and try to jam it down her throat. You're just going to get hit, you know. So, you know, so Paul departed from among them. And I'm going to end this with the last scripture, okay. Second Chronicles 7.14. I sang this song once that a woman named Linda Smith wrote in, um, Mount Olive Baptist Church in Cannonsburg. Beautiful song. Beautiful player. Beautiful piano player. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear, heal, their land. If, look, there are people who are asking to be healed 
there are people that are asking God for favors. But you won't do what he is asking you to do. You won't. You cannot sin on purpose. You cannot sin regardless and think you're going to get blessed. You cannot willfully, put it that way, sin and think God's going to bless you. God will not bless a mess. Amen? And when you look at the word impenitence, those who won't apologize for their wrongdoing, you see the first three letters, I-M-P. Does everybody know what an imp is? An imp, a troll. An imp is a troll. And whenever you see cartoonists um, depict an imp, he bumps all over his body and everything, and he's just unattractive and scary looking. And imps are demons. Imps, listen to me, just thank you, Lord. Imps are devils. Do you want to be an imp? Do you want to continue to be a demon and a devil and let them use you? I think not. I hope not. Put it this way. I hope not. You are not an imp, honey. I don't care who. I'm talking to somebody. Somebody out there, maybe more than one. You have been told that you were no good. You have been told that you were useless. You've been told that you were unattractive. You had no talent. God cannot use you. Somebody, the, the, the liar, the devil, and the father of lies has used somebody in your life to tell you that you'll never be anything. Your God does not love you, and the devil is a liar. And I bind that in Jesus' name. God, look, if God can love and save a person like me, Believe me when I'm telling you. And there's other people that can say the same thing. If God can love us and save us, he could do the same thing for you. Who am I that I am saved, serving the Lord, and you can't? Come on. Come on. I'm not even trying to be that high and holy. (laughs) You know? Are you saved? Repent now and ask God to forgive you of your self-righteousness. Yes, because that's what it is. When you don't uh, serve the Lord, when you don't repent and serve the Lord through his true righteousness, you're living in self-righteousness. And that's enough to ask God to forgive you for. Amen? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Are you saved? If you're not, just do this. Repeat after me. Jesus, I repent of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I never want to live like that ever again. I accept you as my Savior, my Christ, my Lord. Thank you for dying on that cross, shedding your blood for me, and raising back out of 
the grave just for me. Thank you for rising back up for me, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you just said that, welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to the body of God, the family of God. Go find a Bible-believing, tongue-talking church, not, not the tongue who's necessary to your salvation, and learn of God. Learn his language. Listen to the still, small voice of God. Listen. Learn his voice. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In fact, Jesus was so good, he, he rose out of the tomb. Amen. Uh, he rose out of the tomb. They went to the tomb. Mary and them went to the tomb. Amen. Tomb was empty. His clothes was laying there just as nice. You know, when you go to a restaurant and you eat, etiquette teaches us that when we're finished with our plate, in order to let the waiters and waitresses know that you're done and they can come clear your table, you take your napkin, wipe your face, of course, and then you lay it neatly on your plate. And when you do that, that lets them know you are finished. It is finished. And when Jesus when, when they went to the tomb, when the women went to the tomb and saw he was gone, all they saw was the napkins, neatly, gently stacked. Jesus said, it is finished. God bless you. Thank you for coming on and listening. And I hope to see you next Sunday. I hope everything goes great with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you, give you his grace, and give you his peace. Hallelujah. Shalom. Hallelujah. To God be the glory for the thing he has done.